Hi, I'm Bob Passavoy, president of the Midwest Pond and Koi Society. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in three, two, one. Don't touch that red button. Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. After 20 years, still Chicago's only deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Saturday morning on 1590 WCGO. Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine will... Good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Clean beaches and sparkling sand. He won't make her double dig in her garden if she doesn't make him try broccoli aromatherapy. Here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Have forests no wetlands will. Good planets are in the main. Right. Right. And what about uh, fixing uh, tomato plants with uh, vascular issues? That will you will you help me with that at all? <laughs> if I if I have them, if Although, you have tomato plants, or if you have vascular issues with your tomato plants, <laughs> I, I have vascular issues. <laughs> I have tomato plants, but I also have vascular issues. Unfortunately, oh well. Uh, good morning. Wow, another beautiful day. You, you know, you'd think it was summer or something yeah, like that. I had the whole sunroof wide open in my car driving in this morning. Radio and, cranked on the Beatles. And um, here we are. You can tell it's a holiday. Nobody's out there. There's nothing going on today. Not now. There will be later. Lots going on because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if you were listening to the Mike Novak show yesterday, you heard Lamanda Joy from the Peterson Garden Project, and I will be at uh, Gnome Dependence. Thank you. Uh, I th- and and you know what? I don't think I have my red hat anymore. I looked no. for it. Yeah, I think I think I donated it to Lamanda. Some, don't listen. Some worthy cause. She's not listening. Uh, yeah. So uh, they will probably give me another red gnome hat to wear today. She That's, did promise photographs this time. Uh, did she? Yes. I will burn them. All, well, you, wait. They're all digital now. Mm-hmm. I will. I will. I will create a virus like the Russians do and then just wipe out everything. Take what? the wilt that's in your tomato plant and figure out how to get that virus into get, it. Get that virus into a different kind of virus. Darn. Uh, but that's at 5 to 8 today. So, folks, if you're uh, interested and uh, you want to support a great organization, which is the Peterson Garden Project, I will be up there at the Peterson Garden Project on Howard Street. I don't have the exact address here. The but Hello, Howard Garden. Hello. Hello, Howard um and um uh i believe Here, I'll, i can i'll find it I, you know i'm linking on it but you know knowing knowing what happens here it takes about uh three days for nope there it is i've got it right here Yay. how about that the address is 1593 Howard Street in Chicago. So 5 to 8 p.m. I will be there. And it was fun to hear our our buddy Josh Mogerman from the uh, NRDC, 
Natural Resources Defense Council, who was on with Mike Jackson just a few minutes ago on Mike Jackson Outdoors right here on 1590 WCGO. Um, Mogerman was on our program a couple of weeks ago talking uh, about various issues, and today he was talking to Asian carp, and that's one of the things we're talking about today. It's a big deal right now. It is a big deal, and it should be. Bigger deal than than it usually is. Yeah. And the fact that we can't, we're waving, you know, people in the Midwest are jumping up and down and waving their arms and can't get anybody's attention for this is really, it's sort of, of, uh, it's an example of the kinds of problems we have in America, mm-hmm. because if it doesn't affect you, it doesn't exist. And that's kind of, you know, there's there's a real lack of empathy in our country. And I think everything, it kind of all boils down to empathy. And one of the things I understood, and this gets me on kind of a tangent and sort of a rant, where do you get empathy from? Art. And do we teach art in schools anymore? No. What are the first classes to go? Art, which is the, the kind mm-hmm. of thing that allows you to see the world through other people's eyes and allows you to have empathy, gives you empathy so you can understand something, even if it doesn't affect, affect you, you directly. Directly. Exactly. And so here we are, except that we've got people from all over the Midwest going, hey, Asian carp, they get into the Great Lakes, we're screwed. Hello. And you can't get people, as you said earlier, in Arizona and other places like that. I wonder if Idaho has any idea. You would think they would, but they don't. Well, they have invasive issues, but yeah, it's it's understanding the actual true effect. It's not carp like koi. Right. It's a problem. It's a huge invasive. So Joel Brammeyer. Uh, will, who will be on the show today, is the CEO of the Alliance for the Great Lakes, and we will talk about this very issue. I'm so happy that he's here on a holiday weekend. Folks, if you want to make yourself crazy, get a radio show and try to book people on a holiday weekend. That's always a lot of fun. Uh, and then in the second hour... This so is so cool, cool. So cool. We've got Rick DeMaio and Michelle Hoffman in person, together in the studio, once again, talking science. Gonna be a put on your seatbelts morning. Oh boy, is that going to be fun? I think we got got to flag that tape. This is going to be very very cool. So uh, I hope folks uh, will call in. Uh, you know, even the you know, if you got climate, you don't believe in the climate change. You don't think it's happening. Give us a call. Oh boy, I would love to have you dive into that. Eight four seven four seven five fifteen ninety is our telephone number. Uh, it should be great. And, of course, Michelle Hoffman mm-hmm. is uh, the executive producer of her film, Microcosm, and we'll, we'll talk about that, too. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Stick around. It's going to be a lot of fun today. Your family and pets spend a lot of time in public parks, schoolyards, and on your own lawn. And you want those grounds to be not only beautiful, but safe. Logic Lawn Care is an Evanston company with a decade of experience successfully creating beautiful lawns naturally. Logic works with homeowners on the North Shore and also with schools, park districts, and cities across Chicagoland to manage large turf areas naturally. Get a free estimate. Go to LogicLawnCare.com or call 847-421-6500. 
Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Now's the time to get on board with one of McHenry County's premier sustainability and healthy living events. If your business offers products or services that are eco-friendly, healthy, locally produced, or energy efficient, McHenry County College wants you to join them as an exhibitor at its annual Green Living Expo. The event takes place November 4th, but registration for vendor and artist space is now open. McHenry County College is celebrating its 50th anniversary, and this year's Green Living Expo is going to be bigger than ever. They've added an artist walk where visitors can shop and chat with local sustainable artists. And if you offer eco-friendly holiday gifts, you'll have a head start on the season. Peggy and I were there last year, and the Expo is a great way to interact with McHenry County's green community. Register today for the McHenry County College Green Living Expo. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. What is this anyhow? This is your talk. This is America, Jack. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Isn't a little early for this. All right, I don't. I don't Thank know you, what, what goes on, Ben. Here, there's like uh, <laughs> there's 27 different settings on this. I'm only trying to play a CD player, and I'll put a CD in, and then some. Some one of the 27 settings comes up, and then it doesn't. It doesn't play. Oh, get Michael Jackson out of here! Bring that out of here. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, well, you know what? I guess. I guess the you can make. Uh, uh, a comment about any song, any music that we play and relate it to the show segment. Mm-hmm. So the scariest thing going on in the Midwest right now is not Thriller, the song, but Thriller, the Asian carp. In that regard, we have Joel Brandmeier on the phone. Joel, good morning. Good morning, Mike. Uh, and he is the uh, CEO and uh, uh, president and CEO of Alliance for the Great Lakes. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. We were talking little earlier because the show before us, Mike Jackson, just had Josh Mogerman from the NRDC on talking about, guess what? Asian carp. And got it. <laughs> which is which is fine with me because we we need to take the ball peen hammer and start hitting people on the forehead with it to let them know how serious a problem this is. Am I right or am I wrong? No, it's, it's, it's right. You can't have too much coverage on this right now. You know, frankly, um, since the current administration has taken office, some of the progress we've been making uh, over the last couple of years on stopping these fish has really slowed down to a crawl. And so the more people in Illinois hear about this problem, the better. Okay, here's what I don't get. I mean, I know that there's there's an attack on science by the current administration, and maybe you, Lines for the Great Lakes doesn't want to say that, but I'm the radio guy, so I get to say that, okay? Uh, my feeling is it's an attack on science, it's an attack on information, uh, and the casualty 
will be our natural areas. It will be our fresh water. It will be everything we hold near and dear in nature. I don't understand. And the economy. And the economy at the same time. I was listening today to a show that was talking about how the economy is suffering, not you know because of uh, bans, travel bans and that sort of thing. But I don't understand, Joel, why this isn't uh, a red alert for everybody in Congress to get this done. Do they understand that 20% of our fresh water comes from the Great Lakes and that the uh, the invasion of the Asian carp uh, profoundly uh, affects that? I think a lot of members of Congress do understand that, Mike. And here, here's, here's what I see. Um, you've got a region, the Great Lakes, where there's a great deal of bipartisan support for Great Lakes protections. Um, a lot of that support is going to be tested severely by what is the budget that's been put forward by the White House, and we're going to know the outcomes of those conversations later this fall. What we're seeing in the meantime is little things here and there that aren't so little, steps being taken like the blocking of this Asian carp study that would actually help us get to protections faster. That's coming from the White House for reasons that, frankly, I don't really understand that much. Um, Because you've got that great support from across the region for Great Lakes protections, including from here in some of the coastal areas of Illinois, um, you've got a, a White House who seems to be working in opposition to that, which doesn't make a lot of sense. So I think we've really got to lay on members of Congress, frankly, to make sure that they make their wishes and understanding of the Great Lakes known to the administration. Okay, and when you talk members of Congress, um, generally, when it comes to environmental issues, it's hard to get Republicans on board. But Peggy showed me an article that she found uh, yesterday about a congressman in Michigan who's talking about this being, uh, how, how did he describe yeah, it, Peggy? It's uh, State Senator John Pruse out of, is a Republican out of St. Joseph, and he said, quote, this is not a partisan issue, it's an environmental issue. It's a slow motion disaster that we're allowing to happen right before our eyes. Uh, so it sounds as though we there will be uh, Republican support on this. So is there any chance at all that these people can put pressure on the White House? I, I think you're right. There will be both Democratic and Republican support on, on this. And what we're looking for right now is simply for the federal government to release a study that was done that would outline how additional protections against Asian carp could be installed in the Chicago waterways. Um, it's just a study. It's not a construction plan. It's mm-hmm. not a massive funding authorization or anything like that. And so it's been relatively easy to get Republican and Democratic support for that. Uh, most Great Lakes elected officials understand how devastating this invasion would be for the region. Now, the big uh, wild card here is can those members of Congress actually put enough pressure on the White House that the White House will listen. And and, and frankly, um, if I could answer that question, uh, I'd probably <laughs> be uh, working in D.C. right now. Um, it's a mystery to a lot of Great Lakes elected officials why the White House is acting the way it is about the Great Lakes. And I think the best we can do right now is focus on uh, shoring up that support in Congress and making sure that uh, people around the region are, are letting um, – their decision makers know how important the Great Lakes are to them. Uh, may I uh, offer uh, a theory on this uh, for what's going on in the White House? My- you are the host. Oh, <laughs> it's true. I, I can cut off your mic if I need to. Um, my theory is, is that it's chaos there, that there aren't enough people. There are not, not, not enough people who have been appointed to key positions 
in this administration, and there's no way they can keep up right now because this one in particular, the Asian carp thing, it's a no-brainer. It is an absolute absolute no-brainer. You know, it was interesting because Mike Jackson on the program before us when he was talking to Josh Mogerman was blaming the Corps of Engineers, Army Corps of Engineers. And my feeling is, don't they just take their marching orders from the White House? I mean, it, it seems to me, uh, as you say, Joel, it has to do with the White House saying, okay, let's get this done, and then things will get done. Um, I assume that the states, the individual states are on board, although I know that in the past there have been differences between what Illinois wanted to do and Michigan wanted to do in Ohio and Wisconsin. Uh, are, are the Midwest states pretty much on board about how to stop this invasion? I think most uh, people, most elected officials and in in governors in the Midwest are aligned as to what happens next, which is releasing this study. It's called the Brandon Road Study. It's done. It's in the can. It's sitting on a desk at the Army Corps of Engineers waiting for the okay of the White House to be released. And I think everybody understands that that needs to be the next step. A very small, narrow group of members of Congress and um, representatives of uh, the shipping industry, the maritime industry, uh, have really gotten involved in slowing that release down. And um, uh, frankly, that's what's holding this up at this point. Um, it's a narrow group of, of special interests who are trying to block something from being released so the public can scrutinize it. And, you know, this is just part of the Corps' regular process. You uh, do a study, you put it out there. Mm-hmm. If everybody hates it, then nothing gets built. Um, if there are some good ideas in it, then Congress at some point could support a project. And so that's all that's going on right now is simply a fear of information being released uh, that might change the game. And and that's a, that's a terrible reason to hold up progress for the Great Lakes. It really is. So, so there's the Stop Asian Carp Bill that was introduced June 21st that you guys have signed on to support. Um, With almost 40 co-sponsors, Republicans and Democrats. Mm-hmm. And like eight environmental organizations. Should people be calling their representatives now to get that bill through, or where is it? Well, I'd say now more than ever, uh, people in the Great Lakes region need to be calling their elected officials and talking about how important the Great Lakes are generally, just given the posture that the White House is showing toward um, slashing Great Lakes and, frankly, national environmental programs. On this specific bill, absolutely. Um, If people want to reach out to their member of Congress and communicate that the, the, the Stop Asian Carp Bill needs to move quickly, that would be fantastic. We're talking to Joel Brammeyer, who's the president and CEO of Alliance uh, for the Great Lakes. If, if you want to weigh in on this issue, the phone number is 847-475-1590, You know, you make a lot of sense, Joel, when you talk about how it, 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 maybe it's not the chaos. There, Maybe it is just the special interests who say, oh, you know, regulation is going to kill us. It'll, you know, and, and we had, who was the uh, the author of the uh, the book on the Great Lakes? Dan Egan. Dan Egan. Dan Egan. Yeah, we had Dan Egan on uh, a few weeks ago uh, just uh, talking, a wonderful book, by the way, that he wrote and about how industry doesn't pay attention to the little things like ballast and, and bringing in invasive species and their their agenda happens to be very different from the agenda of a lot of folks, and then suddenly we look back and say, oh, well, maybe we should have acted. Well, this is a point 
where we can all see this coming, as as the representative from Michigan said, this is a slow motion train wreck. Uh, we can see this for once. We're actually prepared. We know the what's going to happen. Now, the the one thing we don't un- know is how Asian carp will behave once they're in the Great Lakes. There are some people who say, well, they won't behave the same way that, as they do in the Illinois River. It, it might not be a severe problem, but we do know that they're voracious eaters. Uh, and so let's talk about that a little bit, uh, Joel. What what would be the uh, ecological impact if Asian carp are allowed to populate the Great Lakes? Well, Mike, I think that connects right back to the first part of your question, which is the, the economic impact. And frankly, I think that uh, most businesses uh, and most business people in the Great Lakes region understand not only the, the environmental case, but the economic case for keeping the Asian carp out. Um, the reason that people are so concerned is that this fish, uh, it breeds and feeds better than almost any native fish in the Great Lakes. So it could outcompete most of the native sport fish in the Great Lakes. Uh, it can uh, eat more and faster than those fish, which means it can destroy the food web, uh, and it reproduces faster than all those fish. So it can um, breed a million uh, baby Asian carp, um, while the lake trout and the uh, walleye and the other fish that people care about uh, for fishing um, go by the wayside. And that's why people are so concerned. Um, You've got in the Great Lakes a more than $7 billion annual economic impact generated by commercial and sport fishing. Uh, and then you've got, of course, dozens and dozens of coastal towns all around the Great Lakes who, frankly, you know, make their money off the water four or five months out of the year. Uh, and those economies are under direct threat as a result of this invasion and others. And so, like I said, I think the business case for stopping Asian carp from getting in the Great Lakes is pretty obvious. Um, and we would hate to see that be, de- be derailed by uh, a, a real uh, a narrow interest, which actually we think we can uh, we can address pretty easily. Uh, one of the things that uh, has disturbed me over the years is is there seems to have been well the the area the pinching point uh, where the funnel where we're keeping the Asian carp out uh, seems to be uh, pretty fragile. And there seems to be almost uh, there are several ways that the the fish could get into the Great Lakes. Uh, Would this study uh, tighten that area or does it change the nature of, of how we're keeping Asian carp out of the Great Lakes right now? So if. If the state of Illinois actually wants to become a leader in something instead of a laggard, <laughs> wow. uh, it could be a leader in stopping invasive species from getting into the Great Lakes. And that's because of this unique uh, set of, of waterways and rivers we have in northeastern Illinois. Um, Chicago's waterways artificially connect the Great Lakes and the mm-hmm. Mississippi River. And this study, the Brandon Road study, it's called, is all about how do you use the existing lock and dam infrastructure to keep shipping moving and stop Asian carp from moving. That's it. That's what it's all about. And so if you can follow through on that study and Illinois wants to position itself as a leader, it can be right at the center of of choking off that pinch point of Asian carp getting into the Great Lakes that is the number one highest risk, uh, what we call vector, for those fish to move into the Great Lakes. Uh, and that's why Illinois is, it needs to play such a critical role here, um, because the state has a great opportunity to do that and, and actually do it as a, as, a, as a service and partnership with all the other Great Lakes states. 
Uh, ultimately, I think that um, some of the there have been some fears expressed about the cost of this solution, and I think, frankly, those those fears are unfounded mm-hmm. because the cost is going to be borne um, by Congress, who has made it very clear that it's ready sort this problem out um, and has, has spent plenty of money on the Great Lakes previously. I think they're, they're, they're ready to solve this, what's really a national or an international problem, um, with, with federal support as well. So uh, we'd really love to see Illinois step up into that role. Uh, uh, let me ask whether the uh, machinations in Springfield right now are slowing that down. Uh, how is this connected, if at all, to the budget crisis in uh, the General Assembly? Uh, well, I think that uh, Illinois decision makers, uh, particularly um, you know Governor Rauner, uh, is, are very skittish about anything that could even smell like adding to the state of Illinois' debt load uh, mm-hmm. or, or long-term debt obligations. Uh, which, you know, from a rational economic perspective, I understand. On this particular topic, uh, the states, other parties, the federal government have been standing ready to collaborate and, frankly, to fund. Uh, whatever project ends up being developed for so long um, that it's just not credible to to say to suggest that this project will somehow uh, you know cause you know be part of Illinois' massive long-term problem dealing with its own debt. Um, it's it's not going to add to that. And frankly, as I said, it's an opportunity for Illinois to step up and actually show some leadership in the region. Wouldn't that be nice? All right. uh, We're going to continue this conversation. We need to take a short break here, Joel. Again, our phone number, 847-475-1590. That's Joel Brammeyer, who's the president and CEO of Alliance for the Great Lakes. We're talking about uh, the Asian carp and the threat that that species, and there are actually several species, and maybe we can get into that just a little bit. Uh, opposed to the Great Lakes. Uh, and um, we should learn a little bit about the fish and about mm-hmm. the, what happened <laughs> on June 22nd when we found one of those on the wrong side of the barrier. Uh, and we will do that when we come back. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We hope you stick around. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? That's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair care products available to make sure you get exceptional color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins ordinarily found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots offers non-toxic, vegan-friendly nail services. They've also just introduced a complete menu of natural hair care services for textured hair of all lengths. And how many salons do you think repurpose hair clippings, recycled product containers, and use LED lighting? Walk into 21st century hair care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Hey, Chicago gardeners, I've got good news. The deadline to enter the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards has been extended to July 7. It's free and open to residents of the city of Chicago, and it's presented by the Mike Novak Show, Illinois Extension, the Shed Aquarium, Chicago Community Gardeners Association, and Natural Awakenings Chicago, with assistance from the Chicago Flower and Garden Show. The awards provide recognition to the hard work and creativity that make our city a healthier, more beautiful place. 
They support the pride we take in our neighborhoods and help us build our communities. Garden types include ornamental, vegetable, container, and specialized gardens. And you can enter your small and large buildings, schools, and other organizations. And there's even a category for community gardens. And now you have until July 7th to enter. So go to Chicago Excellence and Gardening Awards on Facebook or click on the Chicago Gardening Awards tab at MikeNovak.net for more info. This is your talk. One of the few true originals of our time. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. So this would be Adam Carp. Adam Carp. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, we are talking fish. We talked fish last week. We're Those ta- were a different kind of carp. Yeah, you know, it's true. We've, that's been sort of the, the thing. Last week, uh, we've got Joel Brammeyer, by the way, from uh, Alliance for the Great Lakes uh, on the phone here. And last week, Joel, we were talking about koi, which is a different carp. Um, and uh, one that people actually want in their ponds. And I don't know, maybe not in their rivers. I don't know. No. Uh, but uh, today we're talking about uh, the threat of Asian carp. And as I mentioned before the break, Joel, uh, there's more than one species, right? That's right. Um, there are the two of greatest concern right now are, are called bighead and silver carp. Uh, there's another one uh, called the grass carp, which is already in the Great Lakes, doesn't cause as much damage. And then there's the black carp, which is still down in southern Illinois, but is uh, really a, at a high risk now. The one that was captured in Chicago last week is a silver carp. These are the ones that are known to jump out of the water. And um, this, is the, this is the one that was found on Chicago's southeast side, uh, well above the electrical barrier that's supposed to be stopping them. Um, doesn't work uh, exactly as planned uh, all the time. And uh, this is the kind that you absolutely don't want, for example, in the Chicago Riverwalk, because these fish are large and they can jump out of the water six or eight feet and smack boaters in the head. So um, seeing that show up on Chicago's southeast side, hopefully was another of, of the latest in, in, in a line of many alarm bells uh, that can get some of these uh, federal uh, decisions moving. Well, how was that found? Uh, there was a pretty intense monitoring effort going on that's been going on for the last five years, uh, scouring the Illinois River, the Des Plaines, and some of Chicago's rivers for uh, big head and silver carp pretty regularly. And so this was captured as part of that routine uh, routine uh, fishing. That fishing, mm-hmm. frankly, uh, is paid for by the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative, which is federal money that has been coming to the Great Lakes region for the last seven years, uh, which has also been uh, targeted for being zeroed out under the White House budget. So there's another example of, you know, if we follow through uh, on what uh, the White House has asked for in its budget, you're going to see the elimination of the support for that massive monitoring effort that is really the only thing that's telling us whether or not the carp are getting closer to the Great Lakes. So we're, there, we're, we're, we're under threat not only from the carp, but for having funds removed that would monitor the, the carp. carp. Yes. And, uh, Peggy, you, there was a question you wanted to ask about the barrier. Well, I have several questions on the barrier. But... <laughs> okay. okay. Lot, she <laughs> but, has lots but, of questions. But one of them is, do we know how this fish got around the barrier? Not yet. And how do uh, we figure a, that out? Biologists can actually analyze the bones of a fish to figure out where they think it was hatched and raised. And so we're still waiting on the results to see 
uh, for example, you know, if this fish, quote, grew up in the Des Plaines River or if it's from somewhere, uh, you know, a southern source and it was somehow transplanted here. Hopefully we'll know more about that within a week or two. Ah, okay. All right. We have uh, several other things uh, to talk about. Oh, wait, no. And the other question, actually, Peggy, I want to get to that is she asked you this off air. What do you think is the best way to keep uh, the Asian carp out of Lake Michigan and the Great Lakes? We have an electric electrical barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen proposals that say we just need to cut off the connection between the uh, Mississippi uh, river the sanitary canal this, in the lake right and just cut it off get it get it done and uh and we have an electrical barrier and i don't think there are many people out there who think it's efficient enough there's a there are a few people but this seems uh rather tenuous what what does um alliance for the great lakes propose yeah there's been the electrical barrier is absolutely not a, a, a full-on solution um it, it allows smaller fish to get through um, it's been obviously shown to not be 100% effective. So, number one, we've got to get these new technologies installed at, at Brandon Roadlock as quickly as possible. Um, longer term, I think we've got to be looking at two-way protections. That means stopping invaders from going into the Great Lakes and from leaving the Great Lakes going into the Mississippi. This is a national, continental-scale problem. The only way you're really going to do that in the long run is by, you know, is by restoring the natural divide, which is, you know, changing the way that Chicago's rivers actually run back to what they looked like prior to 1890. And I think as we, as we gain back some of the, you know, the clean water uh, in the Chicago River, we start getting those cleanups happening um, more effectively, and you start to look at some different economic development options for transportation, all that stuff that takes, frankly, decades to develop, uh, we can have a long-term vision of restoring that natural divide. I think it's important uh, to, to, to stay focused on that, but we've got to recognize that in the, in the short term, we've got to get more protections in place in the rivers now, uh, and that's where the focus needs to be. So what are they looking to do at Brandon Road? What's the proposal? Uh, it, you could do a number of things, installation of a variety of technologies, including uh, you know additional electrical barriers, but also things like um, looking at potential chemical treatment of water, um, changes to the way blocks operate so the water flow itself stops uh, or can, can be decrease the risk of invasive species moving back and forth between the two sides of the waterway. So because it's this controlled area, mm-hmm. you've got an opportunity to, to use technologies and operations in a way that you just can't do with the current electrical barriers. Uh, it's just uh, it's stunning. And one of the things that caught my attention is when you said we have to go back to the way things were. So you are in favor of having Chicago River flow back in to Lake Michigan. Is that Did I hear that correctly? I think in the long run, if the river was clean enough and if, if we can you know, build a, a real robust uh, economy around that uh, or in, the, in northeast Illinois, which I think we can do in the long run, uh, I think that would be a great vision for Chicago. Um, we're the only Great Lakes city that actually cuts our rivers off from uh, the inland areas. And so if there's an opportunity down the line to restore that, uh, the way that those rivers used to flow, um, I think that's a great prospect. We're not there, and I don't think we're going to be there for a while. Uh, so we want to make sure that we're getting those additional protections in place that we can do quickly, as quickly as possible. All right. Uh, before we let you go today, we need to talk about all hands on deck. Becky, why don't you uh, pick that up since you introduced me to that concept? So all hands on deck is an event July 3rd. Tomorrow morning, wow, already. Um, (laughs) There's there's a new organization called All Hands on Deck, and I 
as someone who's involved with the beach cleanups and the North Shore Yacht Club, we got an invitation through the club saying, hey, join all hands on deck. And it's like, well, what's this all about? And then I started getting some other information. So rather than me talking about it, Joel, since you and the Sierra Club are supporting this event, what is all hands on deck? Yeah, so uh, 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 a woman from Michigan a few months ago, out of concern about the Great Lakes budget cuts, um, just asked people to come out uh, on July 3rd and uh, form rallies at Great Lakes uh, beaches and other coastal areas uh, on boats to show uh, support for the Great Lakes, which, frankly, we we need all of that that we can get right now. So the more people that come out and, and, and demonstrate that, the Great Lakes are important to them. Uh, I think that continues to send strong messages to our elected officials and, and decision makers. Um, hopefully, we'll see a good response and, and people will come out and, um, and make their voices heard. Uh, I also hope that people will uh, sustain their voices because uh, it's really important at this, at this critical time that elected officials hear from Great Lakes residents about how important the Great Lakes are to them. And they need to hear that regularly. Um, every day, every month, uh, all year long. And so hopefully this event can help translate uh, into some uh, ongoing support. I, I think what you need to ask people is, do you drink water? <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, do you, you take know, a shower? Do you, do you live in the yeah. Great Lakes region? Do you drink yeah. water? Uh, yeah, you might want to support this. Yeah, I also, you know, there are great opportunities, and Peggy, you mentioned one, for people to get involved locally all the time. And what I've, what I've been saying frequently when asked about what's happening under the current administration, uh, we've got to take matters uh, into our own hands and remember that support from Washington is important, but it is not the make or break factor of whether the Great Lakes are here for today and tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got to make sure that good work is happening in cities, counties, and and regions all across the Great Lakes. And that that comes from the people who live here. Uh, And so if there are opportunities like beach cleanups, like habitat restoration work, um, like getting involved with local drinking water advocacy, uh, helping people out who don't have access to safe drinking water, all those things are things that we can do locally, regardless of what's happening in Washington. Well, one of the things that um, the Alliance always has is a Great Lakes Action Center. So that's a way for people to send letters. Um, What kind of campaigns do you guys have going right now? Well, thank, thanks for that plug. Uh, so I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't need to do it. Wait, wait, give, who wants, give him a ding. <laughs> okay. Anybody who wants to get involved uh, on the, you know, talking to your elected officials and, and seeing what some of the critical issues are, greatlakes.org slash take action. And our current menu talks about the federal budget, the Asian carp threat, uh, the threat of invasive species in ballast water, um, and other uh, drinking water uh, and Great Lakes issues that you can get involved in. Uh, and we should note that uh, the uh, All Hands on Deck has various events, uh, 9 a.m. tomorrow uh, along the Illinois shoreline, including Chicago, Waukegan, Lake Forest, Lake Bluff, Evanston, and Highland Park. Uh, they're all free. They're all open to the public. And the way you get involved with that and find out more information, uh, well, besides going to my website, MikeNovak.net, where we have links to all of this, is go to AllHandsOnDeckGreatLakes.org, uh, and, and that will get you in touch. Are you going to be at any of them tomorrow, Joel? I am planning on going uh, down to North Avenue. So. Okay. Okay, and I'll be up at Highland oh, and, Park. Okay, and and North a- and we didn't even mention there. I didn't. see. Yeah, it's one of the Chicago ones. Is North oh, okay. Avenue Beach? So North Avenue, and where else in Chicago? Do you know uh, Joel? Uh, I, I the ones you mentioned are the ones I'm aware of. Yeah, there's so a that's... second. There's like two in Chicago, 
one in Waukegan, Lake Forest Beach, Lake Bluff Beach, uh, forget which Evanston Beach, and um, Park Avenue in Highland well, Park. And it's a it's a really good phrase, uh, not just for this thing tomorrow, but certainly for the Asian carp issue. All hands need to be on deck. We need to be. I think your point is well taken, Joel, that it's not just Washington, although Washington's a huge problem. Uh, we need to go to our own municipalities, to the state, and say, you guys stop throwing spitballs at each other and let's actually address this issue. And as you said, Illinois has a chance to be a, a national leader on this, a world leader in terms of controlling species and invasive species. And it's very simple. There's this one little bottleneck. And we, if we can mm-hmm. solve this problem, we look pretty good. So, uh, Joel Brammeyer, thank you so much for, for spending your Sunday morning with us. He's the president and CEO of Alliance for the Great Lakes. Uh, and if folks want more information, where do they go, Joel? Uh, greatlakes.org. It's that simple. All right. We will talk to you soon, I hope. Keep us posted. All right, Joel? Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Peggy. Thanks, Joel. All right. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki still. A lot of fun stuff today. It's it's an environment. Uh, why not? Fourth of July. We got to celebrate yep. our environment. Uh, stick around. Eight four seven four seven five fifteen ninety is the phone number if you want to participate, and we want you to part- participate. If you garden in or around Chicago and you don't have a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, I'm a little worried about you. That's because you're missing out on not only the garden magazine for our region, but one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, as well as articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, and What to Do in the Garden. Of course, there's my column on the inside back page of every issue, but into each life a little rain must fall. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines on newsstands everywhere, but go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600, 888-265-3600. Chicagoans are looking for ways to get healthier in 2017. Hi, I'm Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach this growing wellness market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 monthly readers. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. That's 847-858-3697. And check us out at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at restorethenorthshore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. This is your talk. Do you read me? On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Come on, is anybody even out there? 
things I've discovered. You can't wait till the last second here to, <laughs> to do anything because uh, it won't pop up on here. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, yesterday we were talking about on the on the Saturday show, and those of you who are listening to this should know that there's a Saturday version and a Sunday version right now. Mm-hmm. How long this will go on, I don't know. I have no idea, but we do 10 to 11 on Saturday, 9 to 11 on Sunday. Um, and yesterday we... And you can listen to the Saturday show at 1 o'clock on Sunday. That's right. You can listen to it this afternoon at 1 o'clock. So we kind of, we take over the airways on, on WCGO on, on the weekends. And yesterday we were talking about factory farms, one of them in Kyler County. And if you go to my uh, Facebook page, the Mike Novak Show, Carrie Johnson, who was on the show, has a lot more information. One, you know, we talk about these issues and there's never enough time, especially something as complex as factory farms and what they do to communities and how you fight them and, 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 and everything associated with that. Uh, and I felt bad because we didn't have enough time for us to go into her particular mm-hmm. situation yesterday. So she, she wrote several paragraphs and said, I think you need to know this. Um, and we're going to have Carrie back on the show with Karen Hudson, who uh, was Illinois Citizens for Clean Air and Water, and we'll talk more about this. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to... Uh, yeah, apparently the next two weeks are very critical for them. Yeah, so I got a feeling we might be doing a follow-up very soon about that issue uh, that we talked about on yesterday's show, Factory Farms. There's a couple being proposed downstate. And the one thing you need to know is that the the law in Illinois is onerous uh, and it does not allow for well basically it shuts out citizens ordinary citizens you can you can you can say hey i don't want this there and the department of agriculture will say yes so what um yeah, boards from counties have voted against factory farms and the illinois department of agriculture says yes yeah, so, so what what yep um and they cite them and, and 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 it relates. See, this relates to what Joel Brammeyer was just saying now about what is holding back fixing the Asian car problem. Mm-hmm. What's what's holding it back is business, special interests, special interests, business who say, "Oh, we can't have." Speaking of onerous, we can't have onerous regulations. Those regulations are killing our business. And that's now that's the mantra always. From the business side, the regulations are killing us. Well, guess what? Everything else is killing us. Your fight against regulations is killing us and it's going to kill the Great Lakes. And if this gets into the Great Lakes, the problem with that is we will be able to look back and point fingers and say, yeah, you stopped it and you stopped it and you stopped it. Not that anybody will pay a price. Or that it will make a difference at that point. Or that it will make a difference at that point. But uh, I'm I'm sick of businesses saying uh, – you know, we, we got to stop that. We're, you're killing business. You know what? We have the richest country in the history of the world. And we did it by protecting, partly while protecting our environment to some degree. We're, we're not really good at that always. <laughs> it hasn't slowed down our business one bit. And they know it. And everybody knows it. Well, it's short-term profit versus long-term savings. And that's what it is. That's, that's, Shareholder I, I, return. So it's the same thing with the factory farms where the, uh, the business always wins. And unfortunately, we're looking at the Great Lakes, and right now business is winning that, except that people are starting to say, you know, this is not such a 
a good situation here, and we need we do really need do need to address it, and we can. We're at a point where we can still do something. It's the same with the ballast water. It's the same thing. We know how to do it. We have the technology, the ballast water of dumping the water that got pulled in with invasives elsewhere in the world and dropping them in a port in the U.S. And the laws to protect us from the ballast water have been defeated because the shipping industry says, oh, no, that's too hard. It's going to cost us too much money. Oh, that's going to, oh, our CEOs aren't going to have golden parachutes. Oh, we can't stop the ballast water in the lakes. Oh, don't make us do that. You do that a little too well. (laughs) (laughs) I've... You know, I sit on all those meetings. They always let me in on that. Uh, we should let folks know also, this is the final week. If you've got a garden, let's get a little gardening action in here. Thank you. Uh, that you can enter your garden in the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards, uh, which is for residents of the city of Chicago. It's and we a hope big you deal. Get, it, it is a big deal. We need Joe Biden here. Uh, to talk about what a BFD this is and the, the conversation we're going to have in the second hour. Uh, and by the way, there's a Michelle Hoffman sighting in uh, yeah in the building here. So she's maybe, you know, if DeMaio doesn't show up, we'll just have her. He's riding him. his bike over. So he'll get here, what, 9.05? <laughs> is that, or 10.05 rather? Is that is that when DeMaio yeah. will be here? Uh, and yeah, and there will be a DeMaio in the building today too. You, you should know that in the mm-hmm. second hour. Uh, Michelle Hoffman and Rick DeMaio are going to talk. We're talking climate for the whole hour. I am so excited about this. I mean, I, I, it was, it was like going to bed for before Christmas last night. I couldn't get to sleep. I couldn't get to sleep. <laughs> He's like all giddy today. Yay! So, uh, but back to the Chicago Excellence and Gardening Awards. You can go to my website, mikenovak.net, and find out more information. And it's free. And if you have a garden and you think it's beautiful, you enter it. It's that. It can be a container. It can be a sidewalk garden. It can be a rooftop garden. Because we have specialty gardens. If it's a community garden and it's not yours, you can enter. Yeah, definitely enter community gardens. And I've been getting notices from people who say, yeah, I'm entering my garden. So Mm -hmm. uh, I'm very excited about that. Well, and I also wanted to mention, because I'm not sure if we got to this last week, that we have a new partner working with us as a sponsor at Chicago Flower and Garden Show. Yes, give them a... Tony uh, Abrascato and company. It's great to have the Chicago Flower and Garden Show being part of this. And Tony's been really supportive and sent out a, a wonderful blast, e-blast, and letting people know about this. So uh, tell your friends, tell your enemies, because you want your enemies to compete and you want to beat them in the contest. Actually, there's no first, second, third prizes, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, everybody wins. It's, it's you know, it's it's a big, a happy love fest. We're going to kumbaya together and, and, and put our gardens. And they can enter through Friday. And that's right. The, the 7th of July is uh, the closing date for entering. So get it done this week. You know, when you're out there barbecuing and looking at your yard and saying, this looks pretty good. You know, because you're not inviting your friends to the barbecue unless your yard looks good, right? So uh, when you're out there in your yard and it's looking good, you need to say, um, I'm going to enter my garden in the contest. Mm-hmm. It's so. a quick little online form. you got to send two photos in with it. And they could be last year's photos. They don't have to be this year's photos. <laughs> it could be a decade ago. We really don't care. It could care. be your neighbor's year. No, no. Yeah, no, no do yours. that. It could be a, a photo you found at Getty Images, except, you know, you're going to have to pay the royalties on that. But uh, uh, sure, no. And everybody's uh, welcome to be part of that. Um, and it's good to see people uh, tweeting here. You can always do that uh, uh, at Mike now. 
and write to us on Facebook. They're tweeting about Asian carp, and I'm hoping that in the second hour they tweet to us about uh, the climate stuff. And and let's do a little preview of that because uh, the reason DeMaio's here uh, and – well, DeMaio's here because um, he's he's leaving town in two days. He is going to Iceland with a group of students from Loyola. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. And so we thought, you know, come on in, talk about that, talk about uh, – he's always – he never has enough time uh, mm-hmm. during the weather segments on Saturday. So we said, you know, do that. And, well, and then I've been going back and forth m- with Michelle Hoffman, who's the uh, executive producer of a film called Microcosm. And she's been on the show a number of times. And she's a scientist and an educator uh, in a bunch of places. And she's worked together with Rick in a lot of different places. So I said, well, you come in. In fact, that's how I met them. Um, they came in. She came in with Rick uh, when saturday back at no sunday back at the old digs so uh, uh i hope you join us in the second hour it's the mike novak show with peggy malecki 847-475-1590 847-475-1590 join in the conversation we'll see you right after no name news captain's log stardate 42326.1 the enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form mr wolf status report Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wharf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. AroundTheBlockPress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847-475-1590. Here they are again. Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Whenever my head starts to hurt, before it goes from bad to feeling worse, I turn off my phone, I get down low, and put my hands in the dirt. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, oh, you, you ready to go? Uh, as live? soon as Jason Mraz is done. All right, pull that down, and we're counting down. We're going to do a little Facebook live action here because we've got two of our favorite people in the studio in three Two and one. There we go. We're live. I see you, Peggy. I don't see. Uh, stick your head in there. Just wave uh, there, Rick. You can see his hand. There we go. <laughs> okay, let's do shadow puppets. <laughs> this is what happens when you have higher degrees in education. Oh, my goodness. This is just scary. Uh, and anybody who's not watching on Facebook just has no clue. We're doing shadow puppets on Facebook Live. Hey, you should see what happens when you get a PhD. Oh, no. I, this is why I stayed out of academia. I got my uh, my little degree, and I said, I'm done. Right, Let's. All right. There we go. And uh, uh, we've got – oh, she's and Peggy's up there. There, there we are. 
Now, don't cut me off. You got cut off my head. Don't do that. Ah, okay. There we go. Now we got everybody. You slide just a little That's bit. That's the best way. part, too. Right. <laughs> Not really. Uh, and uh, meteorologist Rick DeMaio is here in the studio. Hi, Mike. Uh, on Hi, Peg. A Sunday again. How about that? And oh, I was in a. It was a Saturday the last time. No, no, no. But I mean, what I guess I meant is in. Oh, the, we're back to being yeah, on Sundays. Yeah, we've been on, on yeah. Sundays for yeah. a while. Yeah, I kind of like the break. Um, so and you, you had fun yesterday. You were out in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. I was up at the, uh, Rebecca and I were up at the farmer's market. Uh, saw natural awakenings up there, by the way. Yeah, what, it didn't have, didn't have Peg's face on it, but, um, uh, Don's you know, our publisher up there. Right, right. Uh, one of the great things about Madison is it probably has the best farmer's market anywhere in the Midwest. It's pretty cool. Really? Oh, okay. God. It's, I've never it's been the there. best. You haven't been to the, Peg, have you been to the farmer's no. market? Oh, no, my. but I see they have cinnamon rolls. They have cinnamon rolls. Um, <laughs> Those are ours. <laughs> Gotta have that. Michelle, have you been to the farmer's market up in Madison? No. Oh, my God. Okay, you guys got to go. You got to show up there. Field trip. You, you, literally, yeah. you literally. Remote broadcast. You literally walk around the entire square, and it takes you probably about two hours to wow. do. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. And um, one of the interesting things I always enjoy when I go to farmer's market is I always talk to the farmers about what else? Weather. Um, how their no. soil's been doing. Uh, they've had nearly 12 inches of rain in southern areas of Wisconsin I've, since the beginning I've, of the growing season. I've been season. meaning to ask you about that. Tremendous amount of rain. it seems like every time I see a radar, yeah. Wisconsin's getting hammered. And then we get the remnants. And yeah. we get the remnants. Mm-hmm. It's been is, that kind of a pattern. Is that a... Okay, so it's that particular pattern. Right. It's not a, a normal thing, necessarily. Uh, no. I mean, they've been in... They were about 8 to 10 degrees below normal. Um, for the first half, with actually the second half of the month of June in the northern half of the state. And the warm weather has been to the south of us. We've kind of, if you notice, we've gone from almost October-like weather a couple of nights to July-like temperature and humidity in like less than 36 hours. So we've been on that kind of back and forth. And then with the wind shifting off the lake tomorrow, we'll be back into the lower 70s along the lakefront. Uh, but at least this time of the year, the lake water temperature is, you know, 62, 63. It's not in the 40s or 50s. So it's not going to be a, quote, pneumonia front. Uh, but, yeah, they've had a lot of rain. One of my favorite terms. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. um, but the bottom line is they have been uh, inundated, almost too much rain. And I felt- That's what I would think. Every, like I said, I look at the radar, and it looks like every time I see a, a storm coming in, Wisconsin's covered. Right. And then we get a remnant of right. something. So um, Great they- for lettuce, excellent for uh, raspberries, not so much for, <laughs> I guess, some strawberries as well. But they've, had, they've said they basically had too much rain. So, okay. Yeah. Um, by the way, that's uh, meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Uh, mm-hmm. He is an educator himself, teaches at Loyola. Where else are you teaching these days? A um, couple of the schools. <laughs> he's, always sec- <laughs> he's always secretive about it. He, d- he just refuses to, uh, well, to let us know where they are. Out of, out of respect for Loyola University. They, because they this... know I'm at a, a couple of the schools because I'm part-time. When you're yeah. full-time, you can't do that. But it's, you know. I, I teach other places, just I like know. just like Michelle. But but Michelle does too. You you teach in at uh, uh, the Art Institute of Chicago, and you teach at uh, R- Roosevelt and at Columbia. Um, okay, we got two minutes here, uh, and then we'll, we we break, and then we get our long segment. Um, but uh, do they make you hide those too? I agree with Rick. I think there's just certain respect issue, but okay. I mean, I consider all of them my home. Columbia has been my longest for 20 years. Uh, but I also saw uh, now you've got this connection with Hawaii. What's, what's that? It's on. It's on your your link. What? Why are you yeah. laughing? Well, I wish I lived there. I don't live there. I live in Chicago, but I work with this organization in Hawaii, and um, I have two interns doing a month each this summer. 
um, another one coming out at the end of the summer to do two weeks. And so they're doing marine conservation work with this organization, and I serve as their director of education. How cool. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, of course, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Michelle and I, are, I think we've kind of figured out that when you become non-full-time and you're more part-time, you kind of get to do the things you want to do uh-huh. when you want to do them without <laughs> answering to certain requirements. Yeah. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's, 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 the, best, it's the best of both worlds. It, really it is. is. As long as you can make it work financially. That's yeah. always the hard part. It always it's always a hard part, right. yeah. Uh, and uh, today, uh, boy, it's uh, well. We're going to talk about Rick's trip to Iceland, which is coming up. You're leaving on Tuesday, yeah. And on this the is fourth. and this is with Loyola University, which is why I yeah, which, spoke in I that way. And right, I understand right. that the I Institute understand. of Environmental Sustainability. This is the first time we're running it, so I'm putting a tremendous amount of work into it to make sure it runs year after year after year. Okay, that's, that's what you want to do. Don't tell Loyola. Uh, but Rick is on TV as well. He does weather sometimes at <laughs> WFLD Channel 32, so uh, we don't need them to know. Any, don't tell them he's on my that. radio show, too. Okay? <laughs> it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We will be right back. Now's the time to get on board with one of McHenry County's premier sustainability and healthy living events. If your business offers products or services that are eco-friendly, healthy, locally produced, or energy efficient, McHenry County College wants you to join them as an exhibitor at its annual Green Living Expo. The event takes place November 4th, but registration for vendor and artist space is open now. McHenry County College is celebrating its 50th anniversary, and this year's Green Living Expo is going to be bigger than ever. They've added an artist walk where visitors can shop and chat with local sustainable artists. And if you offer eco-friendly holiday gifts, you'll get a head start on season. Mike and I were there last year, and the Expo is a great way to interact with McHenry County's green community. Register today for the McHenry County College Green Living Expo. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. Is this the year you finally get your lawn off drugs? But why stop there? Why not work with your city, your park district, and your local schools to create a neighborhood of lawns that are beautiful and safe? Logic Lawn Care is an Evanston-based company with a decade of experience managing large turf areas naturally. They'd be happy to sit down with you, your local school, or city to answer any questions and to give you a free lawn care estimate. Go to LogicLawnCare.com or call 847-421-6500. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. What is this place? You're in uncharted territory. What do you mean? Where are we? I don't know if you've heard this. I don't know what it is. Tell us your name, please. 1590. WCGO Chicago. That's uh, kind of a theme around here. 
why get up on a Sunday? Well, the reason you get up on a Sunday is to listen to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And uh, we're very happy to have in the studio Rick DeMaio, who you almost can see. Peggy's pointing to him. He's kind of off camera. There, there, he, is. Is, there he is. Way look up there at the camera. Yeah, yes. Every yes. every every once in a while. Yeah, join us on Facebook Live right now. Amos is watching us. So. That's right. Amos Amos Barrow is watching us, and we appreciate that. And there's six, five other people. Uh, there were seven. One and yeah. one. So took identify a look yourself. At a, it looked at me and then dropped off. Uh, I only look at a camera when there's a green screen behind me. That's true. There's yeah. a red. Screen I noticed you guys. You, you guys. Here's I. I figured out your setup. What you do at the beginning of the show is they say, "All right, take off the jacket, roll up your sleeves, look like you're at work, and you're putting the forecast together." So then you. Oh, walk, that's my thing, and no oh, one's that telling yours? me. Oh, yeah. oh, I thought that <laughs> was. No one's I thought that was a, a FLD thing. No, no, no. And I'm done there. By the way, my last my last day was last Sunday. Oh. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I have way too much stuff to do. I bet you do. I yeah. mean, that I, that had to really sort of put keep it, you keep you hopping. Yeah, but you know what? It's nice to kind of go back and do something that you haven't done in five years, and go. You know what? I can still do this. You know. And then when you kind of, I was really nervous actually the first couple of times I was on. Um, but it it almost gives you a sense of personal accomplishment. When you go, okay, do I? Do I really want to do this? And you do it, and then, then you're done with it. <laughs> and then the fact that you can say no, you kind of like had this list that you kind of checked off. You go, okay, yeah. I can still do that. It's like if, if you asked me to play the outfield and throw the ball from center field to home plate, I can't do that anymore. And that's the thing that you check off. You go, okay, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, because you're 54. I got a start... long list of things I can't do anymore. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It, there's a, you know, because people go, oh, my God, I'm so old. I can't do these things. I'm like, stop saying that. Just try it and do it. Yeah. So in a sense, it, it, yeah, it was, um, it, it, was an interesting, it was an interesting three months. And people were always saying, well, what are you doing now? And the first thing I said is I'm teaching. And you know what? Everybody in that industry said, oh, my God, that's so great. I can't believe how lucky you are. Because I look at them and they're in a they're in a dying industry and they get to a point where they can't the TV oh god yeah that that place has shrunk from 150 people down to like 50 wow all media is changing but they don't really yeah. know how it's changing or where it's going to go mm-hmm. and I kind of knew that when I was kind of pushed out um, it ended up being a good thing because forced me to you know make changes and I think Michelle agrees with me and in some way shape or form. Being a teacher, you're always challenging yourself. It's it's never easy, and and it's always it's it's only hard when you don't prepare, right? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, you can just pull that up. Don't worry about it; <laughs> it, it won't break. Uh, just bring up the uh, the mic wherever you need it. Amos says we look great. Thanks, Amos. I'm glad you're watching. Uh, and and for those who just tuned in to uh, the Mike Novak Show on uh, WCGO, we are also live on Facebook because we have Rick DeMaio and Michelle Hoffman in the studio now. Uh, we're, we've got so much to, to talk about. We need to – let's start with Rick because okay. the, the idea was we're going to bring you in because you're go, you're off to Iceland. Right. How cool is – have you ever been? How cold is that? Yeah. Ah, uh-huh. 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 where's our <laughs> – <laughs> um, Yeah, this is, this is a uh, class. Um, it's called uh, Climate Change and Climate Variability, and it's the first time we're running it in Iceland, and I have to – give kudos to Nancy Ludrum from Loyola University, Dr. Ludrum, who actually posed this um, potential trip um, to the department. It was called Environmental Sustainability. Michelle probably knows a little bit more about the sustainability part than I do. And they said, okay, this is great, but can you kind of beef up the proposal with something that kind of balances out the climate part? And she came to me one day out of nowhere, sent me an email and says, Rick, blah, 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 I'm doing this. Can you 
can you do a proposal or release write up a syllabus for this class? And I went, God, two weeks in Iceland teaching climate change? I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> why, why did you feel that way? Because to teach climate change the right way, you have to you have to teach kids how to think differently. Mm-hmm. I think they've all been kind of brainwashed into thinking climate change is bad. It's terrible. It's going to ruin the earth. But what I try to teach them is that you can adapt to it. Um, you can mitigate. You can learn how the environment works from from day one. So you literally have to teach climate in the past climate in the present and climate in the future and i'd almost would like to to rename the class just that climate past climate current climate future i like that idea well because climate change has negative connotations to sure it. you know when sure. people go oh you've changed and they go what do you mean i've changed you know you can't you, throw the ball from center field right, anymore. Right, yeah. That's you, how. you look different so from a from a challenging standpoint i don't know how i was going to do it in two weeks so i wrote up the syllabus sent it to her and she got it, as Michelle knows, when you write grants, and she's the the queen of writing grants. Um, I mean, no, really. I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how she was able to do what she did. Mm-hmm. So, in a sense, Michelle was an inspiration for me. Re- she really was. And and I thought to myself, okay, let's try this. And other than that, I was like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up getting enough students for my class, but not for Dr. Lundgren's class. So her class didn't run. Mine did. So she's not going? <laughs> so she's not going. Oh, oh, my goodness. I know. And I've never done a study abroad program. And I'm also just an adjunct there. She's a doctor. And she's working on tenure, which is, I think, why she's the doing this. The lowly adjunct. That's right. going to be his autobiography. So it's, it's <laughs> I was really, a lowly adjunct. <laughs> it's, no, it's really, really rare for an adjunct to go on a trip wow. like yeah, this. Yeah, it is. I can attest. Yeah. Oh, really? Is oh, it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not something that, I mean, the full-timers would go, why is he gone? He's an adjunct. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. And, and I, know, I, know, I know a little bit about how academia oh, works. And I know there are people talking in the corridors like this. DeMaio's going, why is he, yeah. why is he right. the one? Going. And I, I, it's just, so it was one of those things where um, next thing you know, we just got the ball rolling, and, and, and now it's rolling. So, yeah, I'm on Iceland there. So eight. what are you going to teach these kids in two weeks? I mean, for one thing, we were talking out in the hall, which was pretty funny because you were saying to Michelle, hey, we're not going to get a lot of sleep because the sun almost never sets there. So what, well, <laughs> what's going to happen right. to us? And Michelle said, oh, you're going to be whacked out. Right. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, because what your listeners need to do, need to know is that Michelle was where last summer? I was um, in the Chukchi Sea in the Arctic Circle. For six weeks. For six, for six weeks six in the Arctic. Yeah. At what time of the year, though? In the summer, where it was yeah. twenty-four hour sunlight. Wow! Could you have done it? You probably couldn't have done the work uh, at night up there, could you? It would be impossible. Yeah, twenty-four hour darkness would have been a big challenge. Yeah, <laughs> we so, had enough challenges as it I know. was. So, and, and one of the challenges is how do you sleep, right? <laughs> well, you know, twenty-four hour work cycle on the boat, yeah. and we were just one group that was filming everything. So, you know. 24-hour work cycle means you've got a net coming up every three hours. You've got the ROV coming up two hours later. So and what's you in the net? What, what are you guys? What were you looking for? And, and, and this is all part of microcosm. This is a film that you're explain very briefly what microcosm is. So microcosm is a film project where we're looking at the microscopic universe in the ocean that is the foundation for everything else. Um, you know, everybody's familiar with.
like the charismatic megafauna, the polar bears and all that stuff. But we're hey, looking cool. at the baseline. They're all, oh, they're, they're awesome. Cool. They're awesome. And they don't exist without the stuff we're looking at. Right. So um, we're taking it down to the microscopic level. But we were there at the invitation of the University of Alaska, and their purpose was to do a biodiversity assessment of the Arctic, of these 26 target areas. Uh, from the sky, they had bird experts uh, all the way down to the ocean floor. And the idea is, what's the baseline? Because to Rick's point, how are these systems changing? And, you know, how is the ge- geographic distribution of animals changing? And, you know, how is that correlating to the environment? So they like to talk about winners and losers. Um, you know, to Rick's point, they're not all going to die tomorrow. But right. it's how right. are these things redistributing itself? What does this mean for the food chain? And so we got to document their work. Which and, was- and it's all part of this film that you've been working on since 2013. Yes. It's got to feel like most of your natural life right now, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's almost my own son's whole life really wow. and uh, it comes out does it is it gonna are you gonna make your deadline next year uh we're gonna see about that because we've had some other players come in and get involved with us um and so they're thinking maybe that we want to look at this as more of a series type thing uh so we're not 100 percent sure right now we're kind of working that out to see like, what we can uh, kick loose some big uh <laughs> d- um station i'm not naming any names ah, she's, yeah, okay cool um and uh, so that's that's what she's been doing, putting this film together and teaching at the same time. So you come back, you teach, you go out, you go on. Oh, you're a busy gal, too. Well, you know, that's how I source my interns. <laughs> I got to come back and teach. That's how I found all my wonderful talent, which is great because this has been a very grassroots project. I have different talent pools at Columbia versus Art Institute versus Roosevelt. And it's been a phenomenal way to get students and other faculty members involved. And it's been very much a community project. And I don't think a lot of documentaries can really say that. And we're over 4,000 on Facebook, which isn't huge in the you know in the internet world. But for us, for an indie film, grassroots sure. in Chicago, it's yeah. pretty awesome. And you do a lot of fundraising, too, for the film. We do. And I get out and I do a lot of public speaking, which is part of the impetus for this climate change talk that I'm promoting <laughs> right now. Um, but, yeah, so so we do a ton of fundraising. We've done cupcake sales. We we always joke we iced our way to the Arctic <laughs> with our cupcakes. There we go. Um, so so yeah. you got T-shirts in your Etsy shop, and all we have sorts Etsy. Of we're on Redbubble. We're all over the place. <laughs> uh, and what is this climate change talk you're doing? So it's it's called climate change, fact, fiction, and our future. And really, the impetus behind it was this book right here. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Yeah, this is. Uh, and I put a, I, I actually put the link. <laughs> hold on, that real close there. Yeah, I put the link on my blog, uh, so people can see this, so they know what what we're talking about. Do not get this book, okay? It may come to you. It landed in my mailbox. Right, and because you're a teacher. Michelle and I like this book. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Global warming. Because my scientists agree. Yes. Agree. We will write that book, Rick, one day. (laughs) On the airplane. And this book that we're showing you came from the Heartland Institute, and they've sent it out to 25,000 teachers. Actually, I heard it's up to 300,000 yeah, now. Well, the, the goal, 300. is it up to 300 300,000 by June they had mailed. Educators. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. three hundred. I got to fix that on uh, on the blog I wrote because at, as of a couple of months ago, it was 25. Yeah, it's getting with, worse. With, with the goal of being 200,000, and now they've increased it to 300,000 science teachers in America. And the idea is to confuse you. Uh, and make you think that there is not consensus on science change and on, on, cl- on climate change. And and one of the things I did is I, I, I did a little research and found this really fascinating article in Scientific American uh, about the consensus 
on climate change. And it seems like the, 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 uh, the controversy right now is not about the science. No, not it's, at all. It's about the consensus. Mm-hmm. And so people, what, one of the things they pointed out in this, and the guy who did uh, uh, skeptic uh, climate, what is it, uh, uh, skeptic, uh, uh, climate skeptic. It, uh, oh, yeah. is that Steve Gorham? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I had it up, and then I yeah, I'd it lost could be it. Steve Gorham. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, says the interesting thing is even the people who are arguing against us believe that there's climate change and that it's caused by humans. Their problem is, well, is it a consensus? And so it's 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 almost semantics at this it point. Is. It's silly. It's silliness. It's politics and just nonsense mm-hmm. and and, and there because these folks understand that there is change going on and it is caused by humans right. but they're still against the idea that there's consensus and if you really listen to <laughs> the way they defend their argument it's it's literally based on well climate has always been changing mm-hmm. and usually when i when i hear that i go yeah you're right absolutely yeah climate has always been changing right 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 right, yeah. right and they go um, and by changing, uh, by by implementing some of the tactics that the Paris Accord is trying to move forward, you're really not going to have that much of a difference on the overall temperature of the planet. So what is one degree? And they don't understand that. Yeah, they don't. So so I, I give the analogy of you warm up a penny to 500 degrees Fahrenheit and you put it in this room. Is it going to heat up this room over a long period of time? The answer is no. Why? Because you have a very, very small mass. Then you take another piece of iron or copper, okay, same material as that penny, and you warm it up to 500 degrees Fahrenheit, but it's 1,000 times the mass of that penny. Will that warm up this room? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But they're the same temperature. So your your argument that a change in temperature isn't going to do much, we're not talking about something that's small. We're talking about something that's large. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the earth. We're talking about the oceans. Oceans contain a tremendous amount of heat, and they're the largest sink of carbon mm-hmm. dioxide that we have. And studies have shown when you warm up the earth and you warm up the oceans over a long period of time, it takes a long period of time to cool them down. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about mass. We're talking about the length of time. And we're also talking about the fact that we now have 7.5 billion people on this planet who rely on that mass mm-hmm. a lot more than they did 20,000 years ago when the mm-hmm. Earth was warmer before it went into an ice age. Especially for their food and water. Exactly, Pig. The argument is completely slanted towards... Yeah, but it happened before, therefore we're okay. And my answer <laughs> is typically no with every climactic change has been a mass extinction. So if you're cool with that, end of story. Yeah, right. Literally. <laughs> yeah, can't wait. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I'm going to talk about is what's called the medieval warm period. Okay, which At, occurred in, in Iceland? Uh, well, it occurred. Well, yeah. No, 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 yeah, no, no, the, I mean, the you, Iceland you, Greenland. Yeah. Warm it period. impacted, right. It impacted Greenland and Iceland, but that mid- medieval warm period. We're still not sure why it happened, but we know that it happened. Okay, and I thought there was a, a also, but there was also a mini ice age in, in Europe, and there was a mini ice age as well, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, which followed the medieval warm period. Okay, okay, the medieval warm period actually melted a lot of the ice on Greenland. Where did that water go into the North Atlantic? It shut down the North Atlantic drift. 
which, as we all know, creates a much milder climate relative mm -hmm. to this latitude here in the United States. Now, all of this is natural. Back then, people suffered, okay? You're going to have some of these natural climactic events happen again, but they're going to be accelerated by who? Humans. And who is going to suffer more? Humans. All right. We we will get back to that. It's Rick DeMaio and a meteorologist and uh, Michelle Hoffman. we got a caller waiting. And we got a caller waiting. we got people watching. Amy says she's taking Rick's class at Oakton this fall, so you've got students watching and listening. Oh, hey, uh, Amy. Uh, Amy Bartucci. <laughs> so uh, uh, continue to uh, participate. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Weigh in on climate change. We'd love to have your opinion. Talk to you soon. Did you know that enough plastic is thrown away each year to circle the Earth four times? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Plastic doesn't biodegrade, at least not in 500 to 1,000 years. Between the islands of plastic, the size of countries floating around in the oceans, and the negative effects of it on wildlife and humans, we need to find ways to reduce and reuse plastic. So say no to plastic bags. Remember to bring your reusable ones when you shop. Recycle whatever plastic you can. Too much recyclable plastic ends up in the landfills. Extend the life of plastic items by finding clever ways to upcycle and reuse them. I'm Green Diva Meg. Find more useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. Chicago Gardeners, I bear glad tidings. The deadline to enter the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards has been extended to July 7th. It's free and open to residents of the city of Chicago and is presented by the Mike Novak Show, Illinois Extension, the Shedd Aquarium, Chicago Community Gardeners Association, and Natural Awakenings Chicago, with assistance from the Chicago Flower and Garden Show. The awards provide recognition to the hard work and creativity that make our city a healthier, more beautiful place. Place. They support the pride we take in our neighborhoods and help us build our communities. Garden types include ornamental, vegetable, container, and specialized gardens. You can enter your small and large buildings, schools, and other organizations. There's even a category for community gardens. You have until July 7th to enter. Go to Chicago Excellence and Gardening Awards on Facebook or click on the Chicago Gardening Awards tab at MikeNovak.net for more information. That sound you hear is my time machine letting me know it's time to return to our own world. This is your talk, WCGO. Hang on. As Bruce Springsteen talks about living in the future, uh, that's what we're talking about here, too. Living in the future with climate change, which is uh, happening and uh, in the break here. If you were uh, listening, if you were watching us live on Facebook, you heard Rick's story about giving answers to Neil deGrasse Tyson at the <laughs> Chicago Theater about how, how he how'd you get a front row seat there, dude? Um, you know what? I got the tickets at the last minute. 
And, <laughs> and they, they, nobody else wanted to sit in the No one up. wanted to sit him. Someone was <laughs> Does he sell It wasn't him? Blue Man Group. No, no, no. I was someone, thinking, does he spit or no, what? No, someone yeah. was selling him, and I and I didn't pay that much money for him. So it just, hey, buddy, it just want a front row seat? Yeah, yeah it was kind of like that. Yeah. And and we got a comment on our on the Facebook Live from, from Judy who says, anyone who doesn't take care of our planet shouldn't go outside. <laughs> well, what we were also talking about during the break was the Star Trek episode, The Devil in the Dark. Right, right, right. Um, where, where they came across this this rock, and mm-hmm. it turns out to be a silicone life form, and Spock decides his his comment is it, to do anything against it, like killing it would be the, it's the only one. It would be a crime against science. Yeah, and I think that I think that all came up because Neil deGrasse Tyson was talking about the six basic elements that humans have in common with the universe. Right. You remember that? I do. And and one of them was silica. Uh-huh. And and then they were and this rock was made out of silica. Sure. So so one of the things that I think when people watch science um movies or science fiction, the old ones in the 60s or 50s, 60s and maybe even early 70s were were built on fact. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they always had something where you went that's really cool. Now I don't think they're like that as much. It's it's all about image and and how many things can you explode and and things it's like that. It's about explosions. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, it's about that's special it effects. Yeah. So so when we talk about um, the stuff that Michelle's done, and this is the first time I'm going to Iceland. Mm-hmm. Um, we're using Iceland kind of as a portal to the past and a portal to the future because Iceland is the kind of environment that has been impacted by climate change. Um, more so than other countries due to the fact that they have literally two seasons. They have winter and summer. <laughs> they don't really have a shoulder season. So they, they're they really concerned about whether or not they can sustain any sort of agriculture yeah. um, off of the soil that is not very rich in nutrients um, and has been also shown to be eroding at a very, very high rate um, due to the glaciers melting at an excessively high rate mm-hmm. and also the draining of the wetlands as well. People don't realize it, but the Vikings settled there because back in the 700s and the 800s, the climate was warmer. And they said, you know what? This looks pretty good. We can settle here for a while. But when the climate went back to being more typical Iceland, they left. Um, so it's To go to Greenland. <laughs> it's even worse. Yeah, and of course they switch to names to keep people from you know. I know. Yeah, I love get that. off the my I, yard. The you idea know? that Greenland is covered by Iceland, glaciers. Yeah, Iceland is somewhat green it, to some extent. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But people of... don't realize, but but the, the island of Iceland is actually on two plates: the North American plate from the west. That's not good. And the Eurasian plate uh, from the east. And it literally splits right in the middle. So you have tectonic mid- plates. Tectonic plates. Yeah. You can scuba dive along it, Rick. I got to mm-hmm. train you. You can you can you, you can scuba have, dive and, the rift, but you have not. Been you can okay. So it's on the bucket list. How, how, how deep does it go? You know, I don't remember what the average depth of those dives was, but yeah. it couldn't be much deeper than a hundred feet or so, because hundred and thirty feet is uh, maximum depth for recreational diving. Yeah, and from wow. what I understand, in that area, I forget the name of the park, Thingaler, I think it's what it's called. Yeah, but you can actually scuba dive to a point. Where you can touch North Both America continents. and you yeah. can touch cool. Europe. Oh, yeah. I want to do that. It's is a bucket cool. list thing. You oh, want yeah. to touch North America <clears throat> and Europe. Uh, let's take a quick phone call. Let's uh, go to uh, Chris uh, in Palatine. Chris, good morning. You're on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Good morning. You know, I've heard of a whiter shade of pale, but I've never heard of a, a deeper shade of green before. Okay. <laughs> just thought to pass that on. And yeah. just From Green quick, Diva Meg. 
Okay. <laughs> Your commercial. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, no. That's that's <laughs> Green Diva Meg, and that's uh, the, we run these on the show now because uh, that's the Green Divas, and Meg does these little bits called uh, just a GD minute, and I love them, and she puts them in there. It stands for Green Diva GD. Yeah. So of course. Well, I right. You know, I, I have heard of a whiter shade of pale, so now I'm familiar with a deeper shade of green. Okay. That, that's good to know. Uh, just quickly talking about the uh, science fiction. You know, uh, have anyone ever read uh, Frank Herbert's uh, Dune? Um, are you referring to the the television show or just no, oh, no the, book. The, book. No, the, the book, book, the book, the book, the movie Sting was in book. as a result. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, I also I, Isaac Asimov was a great oh, uh, of course, writer yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of wonderful and science Carl fiction. Carl Sagan and all that. I, uh, I think those yeah, giants but, are now kind of gone to some yeah. extent. Well, but, there's some still some good science fiction writers uh, out there. I stopped reading science fiction a while ago, but I did read Foundation Trilogy by Isaac Asimov, which yeah, that, was... Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. He also had, by the way, a short story about a, you know, talking about, um, and actually this was done by, used by NASA, about potential... Uh, Virus contamination by humans about life forms in other Earth, you know, outside of the Earth, where they were exploring and they left their, uh, they found basically a pool of, uh, you know, protoplasm, and they buried their human waste, you know, in the ground, and uh, it uh, basically caused an extermination because of the, uh, you know, the the roots the system of it uh, was able to get in there, pierced, the, you know, very quickly, you know, found all this great uh, nitrogen that's in, in human waste, and kind of like Matt Damon in the movie, the Mar- the Martian, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But a- you know, Rick, the reason I've called is, you know, I've listened to you on Mike's show for many many years. Oh, thanks. And then I did see you on Fox News, and mm-hmm. I, I will have to say, you don't look the way I pictured you. <laughs> And you also sound different, you know, on the television than you do in the radio. Um, um, meaning, when you say different, better, not as much. What do you think? Well, you... no, I mean, you you you've definitely got more of a you know a, a higher uh, tenor voice on radio than you did on television. I don't know if they oh they they, they <laughs> augmented on it's television. I guess I don't yeah. know. So, Next stage the, will be opera, Rick. Yeah. Yeah. But the um, you know, and I also have seen the uh, Barbie doll that they've hired. Uh, you know, to replace you. And, you know, we're going back to the... Now, 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 wait now. a minute, wait a minute. You know what? I, I'm okay with that. Um, it, it's all part of television. I've I've been down that path before, so I understand where you're coming from. Um, but, you know, just because someone wears a dress and has blonde hair doesn't mean that and she's... And blonde hair is about in... 20 years old. Right, right, that's okay. That's all right. You know, the whole world She'll... is going that way, okay? We, Caitlin, we know that, yeah. Caitlin will do a fine job. She's, she's knowledgeable. She's from central Michigan, uh, she actually has a degree in environmental science. Um, so I, I know Matt, um, the news director, hired her for two reasons. Yeah, okay. I know. And, I, and, we, and one wanted, of them was very obvious. Well, I mean, they wanted a female on the, sh- on the, on the, on the weather team, which is – that's how TV is sometimes. Yeah, and you have to be able to re- you know, understand that. So four white guys in the staff wasn't going to cut it. Um, so I'm fine with that. I really am. I have other things to do, and that's just the way life is sometimes. Yeah. And, if and, you get, thing, and if you get into that business, you have to understand that. Well, you, but look at Tom Skilling. You know, I mean, he's not exactly— He's uh, an anomaly. Yeah, he's an anomaly. So yeah. was there anything uh, else you wanted to ask us, Pat? Well, yeah, I did want to ask, uh, but why is, do, do all the television shows synchronize exactly the same? Because if I'm on GN, what, and their commercial <clears> comes on, I'll flip over to 32, and— God damn, there's another commercial going on at the exact same time. I think they do, actually, coordinate. Yeah, it has to do with ratings and what's called a a ratings wheel. You have to hit a certain 
time period where they want to make sure that people are watching. So, yeah, uh, and the last but, quick question is, yeah. are they as ignorant um, at the local Fox as they are on the cable? Completely different. Yeah, very the two different animals. Yeah, yeah very different entities. <laughs> They're an affiliate. But, but they, they do make sure that certain things are covered. There's definitely a um, list of things that the local Fox stations have to um, have to broadcast. And every once in a while when I was on, I mentioned climate or climate change, and they were fine with that. So um, it's nice to be able to do that to an audience of, you know, 100,000 people every once in a while. But, uh, but thanks, well, thank, well, thanks so thanks. much for your call. Thanks, Well, that's Chris. great. And, uh, you know, I still remember the famous comment that uh, the, the fake news that they had where they asked what, why Germany had uh, much, so much more solar than the United States. And, you know, the genius on Fox uh, said it's because Germany has more sun than the United States. Osterbleef. Uh, Osterbleef. Yes, that was the word we were trying to come became, up with. Yes. Osterbleef. Okay, got to remember that. <laughs> Chris, Chris <laughs> thanks, <laughs> a, thanks a lot for calling. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, we well, hope to see you again, Rick, next time on a different station. I appreciate that. Thanks. All right. <clears throat> so uh, we, we were asking the other day, Osterbleef, that was it? Yeah, and and remi- remind me what that is. You guys brought that oh, to that, me. That That's on a, you. Because <laughs> I was that, here the last time it happened. That up. It's it's a, it's an all encompassing word. I believe it's uh, what was the Dutch word? Dutch, and it <clears throat> and it means kind of whatever yeah. or or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and that was relating to how much sun that Germany has. Yeah, sure. Why not? No, 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 no. no. (laughs) Got it. All right, so one one of the things, speaking of sun and, you know, solar power, we're we're trying to determine, you know, whether or not this eco-village that we're going to be staying at um, has the ability to pull in, you know, renewable energy sources. Uh, And geothermal is huge in Iceland, as you know. 80% of the country runs on geothermal. So even though this is a class about climate change, it's also what's called a tier two required class. So every student at Loyola University has to go through three tier two classes, which is pretty impressive from a scientific standpoint. Even if you're a business major, you have to take one of these classes. And it's usually, say, an astronomy class, an oceanography class. But we found more and more. There's now four sections of climate change being offered. Uh, And I teach two of them. Um, but more and more, it, it seems that if you develop a class that covers a wide breadth of discipline, in other words, you can't just teach climate change and try to drill into a fourth-year college student why carbon dioxide does what it does. You have to teach it more so from a standpoint of if you're going into business, you need to learn a little bit more about how the country of Germany and its two major car companies, BMW and Mercedes-Benz, is trying to go more so towards hybrid mm-hmm. cars. So by by allowing them to understand that climate change has a lot of tentacles to it in the business world, um, you can learn a lot about it. And I had students come up to me and say, wow, I never realized I, I'm going to like business now that I'm going into something that I can have another option to do in the future. Like a lot of times these kids don't know how much of derivatives are being, you know, traded on the market on the South Street in Chicago uh, between oil, natural gas, sugar, um, coffee. All of it relates to the weather. And when you get into the CBOT, they go, really? So if I know a little bit more about this, it'll give me an edge. Even if it means talking about it during an interview, it gives them an edge. Mm -hmm. So I think from that standpoint, the class has got some good legs. 
I think those kids are going to learn a lot in two mm-hmm. weeks. They're, they're <laughs> going to want to get so far away from you, though, after that. Uh, <laughs> Probably. But, but they're going to learn a ton. All right, we're going to wrap this up. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki and uh, more climate and weather when we come back. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? That's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free of ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and other treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of natural hair care services for textured hair of all lengths, including the non-toxic Cezanne Keratin Smoothing Treatment. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for Women and Men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. No longer have to sacrifice one for the other. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at MikeNow. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at mikenovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at mikenovak.net. Your talk. This is your talk. Only on 1590. Your talk. WCGO Evanston, Chicago. See, when I uh, hold this up, this book up, you need to know who your enemy is. This is your enemy. <laughs> the Heartland and the people who put uh, out books like Why Scientists wow. Disagree About uh, Global Warming. And, and let people know their address. And they don't just put oh, it absolutely. out. They're they local folks. Infiltrate. Uh, it's and and this is something you wanted to get to, Michelle, before we wrap up here. And, and Rick, you, you're going to give us a forecast before we get out of here okay. as well today. Uh, but what do you tell people when they get this book? You said you had a, you, you've had a discussion with other teachers who don't understand how we measure climate change. That's right. Um, you know, it's a bit of a concern and I'm trying to formalize a study with some of my colleagues because what we're finding too, is that even college students coming into school will tell us that they were never taught anything about climate change in their science classes. Uh, prior to coming to college, about four out of 20 students will say, oh, yeah, you know, I was taught something about that in a science class. And that's a huge concern because I don't know how you can talk about chemistry or atmospheric science or biology, biodiversity. How do you even mention the, the, the phrase carbon dioxide without 
mentioned oh, a climate change. Oh, you're going to love this because people say, well, carbon dioxide, we, we need it. Plants need it. It's good for us. That's like saying we're going to save a drowning man with a glass of water. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I, I think to Michelle's point, if, if since climate change is such a hot topic, you need to talk about climate. Yes. And you need to get into paleoclimatology. So you need to start literally at, at day one and talk about how the earth was at one point Pangaea and it broke up because mm-hmm. it had a lot of internal heat that broke apart those plates and pushed them to the side. And we vented out steam and heat and the earth at one point was 15 degrees warmer than it, than it is now. This is all a natural process. And I always say, okay, but why did the dinosaurs seem to exist for 80 million years? Humans have only been around for about 4 million. Well, and on a more fundamental level, people don't even understand the difference between weather and climate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we got stuck in an ice sheet last year in the Arctic for five straight days. We were locked in the ice. We mm-hmm. couldn't get out of it. And so people will see a headline like that, and they'll say, oh, you know, what are these scientists talking about? And similarly, yeah, cold. another Arctic expedition got shut down, Canadian expedition, because of coastal sea ice. And so everybody's using that as an excuse to say, oh, no, this, you know, climate change is a hoax. Look at this ridiculousness. The scientists yeah, well, are Jim, stuck in the ice. James but- Inhofe brings a snowball into Congress and says, see, there's no global warming. Well, right. But the question is, where did that ice sheet come from? Because we didn't have coastal ice in the winter. And so what happened was we got a multi-year migratory ice sheet that shifted Mm -hmm. down, uh, you know, and bottlenecked itself at the top of the Bering Strait. So people don't have that fundamental understanding. What is the difference between weather? What is the difference between climate? And how do we know when we finally crossed over to talk about climate? And then there's a lack of understanding about what to expect from science, because I've got my law degree, my graduate degree in science. And I always say, which one taught me to prove stuff? And everybody's going, science, science. No, we prove stuff in a court of law. Science is about examination of trends, um, repeatable things and examining variables. So your expectation is not right. So the concern I have is how do we teach people how to have these conversations in a way that is actually speaking the language that we're intending to speak? Because it's different from economics and it's different from law. And it's weird because you would think because we elect so many lawyers as our representatives that they would understand this. And they it's do. It's a different language. Well, they, they no, do. No, then no, the money comes in. I'm sorry. Right, they do. Right. They're Good being. Point, they're disingenuous <laughs> and they're corrupt. And that's the problem because they actually do understand this and they know this stuff and they still. That's because uh, the dollar vote. bill comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So July 4th, everyone's standing around the grill. Uncle Milt is arguing with you at the party on climate change doesn't exist. How do you, what, what, how do you respond? Well, so it depends on what Uncle Milt is trying to tell me about what he knows about climate change, and I, I can like tell it. you what Uncle Milt told you. Same thing. This, <laughs> this guy, this golfer, told me. Okay, this golfer told me this last year, uh, and uh, and he said I had a wonderful time. We got along very well all day, and then we got on the subject of climate change, and he said, "You know what? The world's just too big. People can't possibly have an effect on the look around you. You can see that the world's too big. People, there's no way that we can affect the climate." So you point to the Keeling curve and you point to what's happened with carbon dioxide what's the since curve? the Industrial what's the Revolution. Their eyes have rolled in their heads. I, right. I know, right? You can't do I that. I need another beer. Here's the bottom line. We're taking the back seat in a tech war. We're beholden to fossil fuels. Why are we doing that? So if you want to ignore the science, you want to ignore everything else, we are still dealing with the dying technology here. Um, other countries are kicking our butts. Rick brought up, you know, solar and geothermal in other mm-hmm. countries. European Union's done a number of things. Um, so when has it ever been the American way to take a back seat in a tech war? Yeah, you know, if you think about it, Phoenix, Arizona just had their third warmest summer or third warmest June ever, okay? Mm -hmm. The warmest ever was in 1974 when 1.3 million people lived in Phoenix. Right now, there's 4.6 million people 
don't you think that we have that that demand for electricity for air conditioning has had some strain on the environment? Huge. But do you know what the percentage is in the state of Arizona for solar energy? This will blow your mind. It's less than six percent. Why? Because we're married to coal. You push push off of coal and you go with the five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent of what you have now, and you're most likely to go away from coal. You're most likely going to have a better chance of having people think differently about innovations that are going to help solar go further because you have a state that gets, what, seven months out of the year of sun. So by pulling out of the climate accord, not only puts us in the back seat, but it puts us in the back seat with helping not only other countries, but other other companies have at least some support from Washington, D.C. We don't need D.C. to do this. We can do this at a more grassroots mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. Like we've talked about before, Michelle. and we're going to have to, mm-hmm. and, and 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 that's one of the good things that's come out of the whole climate, the Paris Accord thing is that the local entities are starting to step up, right? Yeah, and and they will. And that again goes back to our CARP discussion. It's the local legislators, it's the people who get it, who are understanding it, that are right. taking the action. That's All right. Well, uh, we're going to have to do a, a forecast here uh, since uh, we have a meteorologist in the building, and <laughs> and I'd like, you know, I. I'd, I'd love to be Bill Maher and say, hey, join us afterward on overtime with this, but we, we don't have, I suppose we could keep this going. But, well, uh, yeah, we got people <clears throat> watching the feed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and Margaret, who enjoyed the crosstalk during the commercials. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, so you need the forecast now? Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be okay. a good idea. So the same front that went south of us a couple of days ago, yeah. the boundary between the cool air to north and warm air to the south, is pushing back over us today. So mid-80s today, we should get some thunderstorms late this afternoon into tonight. But that same high, Are we going to have high dew points today? Is has gone up You know what? Way? Low to mid-60s, that's okay. about it. Yeah. It, 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 the, the pattern is such that we're not really getting connected yet with the deep moisture from the Gulf. Uh, but definitely low to mid-60s, so a little bit more humid today. So we get back into cooler weather tomorrow. So northeast winds, low to mid-70s along the lakefront, mid-70s inland. And the next five days, temperatures averaging yeah. almost three to five degrees below normal. Um, we are not going to see 90 degrees around here for quite some time. Um, and we stay actually near to below normal for the next 10 to 14 days. Uh, near normal rainfall, which is good, so great for the growing season. Yeah. Uh, but nothing in the way of any real hot stuff. Now, it's been brutally hot out across the western United States. I've mm-hmm. seen many, many summers where you're cool for June and half of July, and in the second half of July into August, we get hot. And that's pretty much what I said with Peg um, you know, when I wrote that article for the June edition of Natural Awakenings. Um, but I still think that that's the pattern. But over the next several days, a little bit of cooler mm-hmm. weather comes So you, you're, you're thinking that the, the hot dome, that as <clears> Tom <throat> Skilling said, the hot dome on the uh, in, in the, in the <laughs> The Southwest will be like like that. Ballet, it's, it's, I know. Yeah, it's a hot dome. See, there's a dome here. Uh, we'll, we'll, Got to be on Facebook. We'll for be that. moving our way uh, later in the in the season. Yeah, maybe. that'll be that'll be a second half. Um, oh boy, it can hardly of the wait. Summer, yeah. I love 95 degrees in in, in, in sem- late August and early September. Yeah, when really, everybody's going back. Just to be summer. back in the Arctic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and well, then for me up in Iceland, I'm going to be dealing with temperatures in the low 50s for almost the next 10 days. It looks pretty windy and pretty cool up. There. But no darkness, so he will not be sleeping for two weeks i can hardly imagine what a sleep deprived rick demile looks like so uh michelle hoffman thank you so much thank you uh if people want to find out about microcosm they go to www.microcosmfilm.com and they can reach out to me personally there too and there's also a facebook page i want to thank uh, rick and michelle and of course uh joel brammeyer from alliance for the great lakes ben boquist our engineer until next week go green or go Go home. home
Uh, Stadler? Yeah, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. 